0: Welcome to The Mortgage Life, a space for down-to-earth conversations about how mortgages contribute to your life.
1: Well, that sounds canned and maybe a little boring. What? There are so many parts to the mortgage industry and real estate finance we can explore and share with our listeners. Okay, you're right. You're right, Mindy. Our goal is to help secure our clients' financial future.
0: I'm Pete Salamosi.
1: I'm Mindy
2: Bodwin, And I'm Sue Salamosi. We're your hosts. Welcome to The Mortgage Life. So excited to have another series, RAM, Rentals and Mortgages.
0: So we're doing this series because we tend to get a lot of questions from our clients and just in general, people that are curious about how to buy a rental, how to manage that rental, how to kind of build not only a small portfolio of maybe one rental even a basement suite but then building it all the way up to having multiple rentals
2: i believe we call that an empire
0: an empire <laughs> eventually eventually yes
3: that's a big leap
1: <laughs> but it's a really nice word i like i like this i'm i'm looking forward to the call so how do you get a mortgage on an empire <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think it's a a commercial, probably a
1: commercial (laughs) way.
0: Isn't it the same way as uh, eating an elephant? No, anyway. What? (laughs) One bite at a time, right? Isn't that the the old saying? There you go.
1: Exactly. exactly. And that's true. And even in our Ram series, that's what we're doing. We've broken it out one bite at a time. So episode one, we're going to delve into what it means to be an owner of a long-term rental, all the different management aspects. And we've got a property manager that we're going to discuss these aspects with. Episode two, we're going to dive into the short-term rentals. This is a hot topic these days. Um, Everybody wants to put their basement suite or acquire a condo and throw it on Airbnb. So what, what does that entail? And then in episode three, we're going to tie everything together and look at building the empire. How do you get the more Mortgages, how do you, how far can you go, et cetera, et cetera. So we're really excited about this series. Well, I am anyways. I just got really excited about episode three because it's going to be
2: titled Building an Empire. I'm typing it in right now. <laughs> so we have Aaron Piva with us from Real Property Management Executives in Kelowna, BC. Aaron, why don't you give yourself a little bit of an introduction, how long you've been in the business, how you got into it and uh, and what you're doing now?
3: Yeah, well, we, my wife and I moved up uh, into the Kelowna area uh, almost exactly five years ago now. We were given the opportunity to open up the real property management franchise in Kelowna. Neither of us had been property managers or owned a business uh, at the time, but we were looking to you know work and do some, something for ourselves and came across this opportunity. Uh, the real property management franchise in Canada was looking to grow into specific markets, obviously the bigger cities, but I mean, Kelowna, I mean, we knew even at that time before living here, how fast Kelowna was growing, how was the target destination, and we actually wanted to move to Kelowna as well, just to get out of the the big city life and and try to slow down a little bit, although starting a business, you know, that doesn't actually happen, doesn't really slow down, you know, it kind of ramps (laughs) up and you know, yeah, that, that was, but anyways, the lifestyle is definitely, you know, a little easier driving, uh, you know, an hour here gets you down to Penticton, whereas driving an hour in the lower mainland gets you from South Surrey to North Surrey. So <laughs> it's all just traffic lights.
2: I was in Vancouver the other day driving home and it took us an hour and a half to just get out of the city
3: yeah it's crazy it's uh and every time I go back there so kids play sports and you know we're down there for tournaments and stuff like that it's like oh my god traffic light traffic light traffic light this is why again this is why
1: (laughs) any chance your kids play hockey
3: they do both our girls our younger girls play uh for Kelowna minor um and they were actually playing with Omaha they made the rep team last year so they were at the U15 level
1: yeah I asked because I'm finding that now with my son playing hockey, we're also in the lower mainland for hockey tournaments quite often. And yes, the driving is insane.
0: So tell us about the property management side. So you guys bought this franchise. Tell us about what you do on a day-to-day basis and, and what does that look like as a property manager?
3: I do a little everything, you know. As, uh, a, as a property manager, you act on behalf of the landlord or the owner of the property. So you're basically we essentially are acting as the landlord in a landlord-tenant relationship. So we will we we get into there are I mean I guess we could we can do only placements um, where we're just finding a tenant for a landlord. We don't typically do that any longer with how busy we are. We like to find that we're pretty strict with our tenant screening process when we do place tenants. So we like to find a good tenants for our full management, Properties uh, and our clients and investors who have invested in us to find them the best tenant. So I kind of found that you know we were just doing placement. We might find a really great tenant goes to somebody and then we're no longer looking after the property. The landlord gets it. It's nice and easy, and it's like they don't feel do like they don't need us any longer until a problem rises, and you know that's where property managers or a property management company can help step in. We're well-versed and keep up to date with the residential Tennessee act as much as possible. And, uh, you know, it's ever-changing, and, you know, so you, you definitely have to follow, follow the rules, know the rules, uh, know what you can and can't do because the penalties for landlords are getting more and more severe. I mean, there's reasons for it. You know, we, we've all heard of and know of slumlords and, um, and, and terrible landlords who take advantage of, tenants and you know people paying their their mortgage but so all these rules kind of have you know stem from that trying to avoid those types of situations because i mean realistically it is housing it is somebody's house so even even though you know as an owner as a landlord you're this is your property you're owning it it is their legal residence and they do have a right to that legal residence and they have all the rights that an owner would living in their own property the residential tenancy act helps navigate that uh, it helps you understand what you're what you can and can't do in BC it's definitely you know I would say it's probably a little more tenant friendly and likely because of what's happened in the past uh, with landlords taking advantage and you know and the drastic rates at which rent has increased in BC, especially the lower mainland some landlords you know they want to remove a tenant uh, because they know they can get a lot more rent but there's rules against that. There's proper ways to do it. You know, you can't just say, hey, buy, go. In B.C., you can't even have uh, a fixed-term lease any longer, um, you know, without even you know, the tenant agreeing to it and signing a mutual agreement and tenancy. And you know, even at that, dependent on uh, what you're, you know, you, you, obviously in good faith, you're supposed to be taking back possession of the property and living in it. So yeah, I mean, there's that's that's one aspect from a property management standpoint on a daily basis. I mean, we're obviously typically monthly, we're collecting rents. We use a uh, online platform where tenants can pay, they set up an account with a third party vendor and that they pay through them, comes to us. We, they can pay with their credit cards, which a lot of tenants like, you can earn points, you can you know pay it off right away and actually help build your credit you know on a daily basis again we're dealing with any sort of maintenance requests that come in uh we have uh, an exclusive online portal for all our tenants as well as our owners that they kind of mesh in the middle and we we monitor both sides of it uh but it, you know a tenant any little thing happens you know their water's not working toilets not flushing you know, something's going on with the electrical system appliances are notorious that's probably the biggest thing they they break we, we i think we all know as homeowners or investors or landlords that appliances do not last the way they used to. It seems to be as soon as they get out of that warranty stage, it's something goes wrong with it. And then the tenants send a message request saying, hey, you know, my oven is not working. I have a Christmas dinner coming up and uh, I need my oven because I have family coming over. So yeah, we handle all that. We make sure it's documented and uh, we go deal with it as quickly as we possibly can. So
2: yeah. For sure. So it sounds to me, Aaron, that being a landlord is challenging.
3: <laughs> so oh, absolutely.
2: From your perspective, you know, helping these landlords manage those properties—it's a big deal. Why would someone want to become a landlord?
3: I mean, sort of as you spoke to—is there's an opportunity to build wealth? Traditionally, the real estate market is. Uh, solid place for investment. So they've owned 90% of the world's wealth is in real estate. And you look at some of the uh, biggest investors in in the world and they started investing in real estate. Now, this is, I guess, maybe a personal opinion, but uh, I mean, land isn't, you can't grow land. It's not, you're not getting any more of it. Right. So investing in that, and uh, you're always going to need housing. You know, the population is growing. So it's a pretty solid investment if you do, if you do it right. Um, And understand that it, it is an investment. It probably takes some time. I mean, as mortgage brokers, you guys know the the amount of interest and in what uh, people are paying uh, for a property to, over the lifespan of that mortgage. But when you have when you're investing and you ha- then you're using it for a long-term rental, you're having someone pay a portion, a good portion, if not sometimes all of your mortgage.
1: Sorry, a quick question because you mentioned the term long-term rental. Um, so one of the things that we're gonna sort of separate in the series is the long-term rental versus a short-term rental. Um so in this discussion as a property manager, your property management company, do you manage just long-term rentals or do you have an offshoot that, that does short-term as well? And the legislation that you're speaking about, the BC Residential Tenancy Act, does that just apply to the long-term rentals or to the short-term rentals as well?
3: No. Yeah. So a long-term rental is, is considered anything over 30 days. I mean, a lot of people actually don't know that. They think a long-term is a year lease. Um, it's not. As soon as you put, as soon as you allow somebody to live in a property for 30 days, Days or longer, a lease even if you don't have a legal lease written on the property, an implied lease is put on the property, and they, then the Residential Tenancy Act comes into play, and you have to follow all the rules, regulations with the Residential Tenancy Act and the Residential Tenancy Branch, who monitors and you know acts as they call themselves a, a mediator between landlords and tenants and disputes. You know, so should something arise, you basically have to go through them. Uh, short term, yeah, short term is anything. Thirty days or less, and it uh, you're typically dealing with you know vacation properties, um, especially here in Kelowna. You know you deal with a lot sort of on it happens everywhere in uh, ski resorts or anywhere typically holiday destinations uh, where you have you can have your Airbnbs. We do have some. We have a short uh, small portfolio of short-term rentals, vacation style rentals. We're pretty strict on what we take on because in Kelowna it has to be licensed now. Um, it, this is not no. Big. West Kelowna as well. They, they now have short-term rental guidelines. So there is there's a lot of legalities to it. You have to ensure that you can do it correctly. Insurance is a big thing. I mean, you got to tell your insurance company that you're doing a short-term rental versus a long-term rental. Uh, they understand the possibilities when you're doing vacation-style rentals. Yeah, it becomes definitely more complicated. So I mean, a good difference is you know a long-term rental when we're placing a tenant, we're putting a lease on the property, we can do a, a, a pretty strict background check on uh, these people. You know, anybody there, full credit checks, you know, we'll call former landlords, employment check to verify that, uh, you know, they do make what they say they make. We go right in, into a full background check with the long-term tenants. Whereas short-term, you typically you're advertising an Airbnb or, or short-term rental, VRBO, somebody along those lines you really can only see what reviews they have on that specific platform. And you don't actually even know everybody that's going to be at that property. So there is more risk. Yes, definitely. You can, you know, obviously renting out on a nightly basis, uh, weekly, you can definitely make more money, but it will cost you more money doing a short-term rental. You know, there's definitely more expenses. So, I mean, a good example is simply you're, you're fully responsible for, all the electricity, all the gas, all the Wi-Fi, uh, any sort of fees that go along with it, because all that has to be provided. You're fully responsible for like stocking the, the property with uh, little things like toilet paper, uh, soap dispensers, um, every, all anything that's uh, you know, minor condiments, coffee, that kind of stuff. Whereas long-term rental, I mean, you provide it unfurnished typically, and the tenant is gonna be bringing their own furniture. They're gonna be required to have their own insurance. We do require, we usually, you know, it's like if it's, uh, you know, they're a single family home or like a single condo, we'll require all the tenants to have utilities in their own name. They're providing their own Wi-Fi. So, and your insurance is definitely going to be less on your property. You know, that it's a long-term tenant that's staying there, uh, making it their primary residence. That's a big difference. But I mean, it doesn't say that you, you can't do even both. Um, we actually do have some properties where we have their combinations. A lot of, there's a lot of students that come into the Cologne area and that's not just Kelowna, um, you know, there's anywhere where there's a major university, there's always housing issues for students. So a great opportunity for an owner or a landlord is you provide and find some students that are willing to stay there typically for the eight months of the school year. And then it's free and open in the summer. And you can, that, when, as long as it's licensed, legal, you're legally allowed to do it in whatever jurisdiction you're in. You can get some great rents and great value for renting through the summer and then renting through students through the school year.
2: I like that idea of of combining the two long-term and short-term together like that. But what I'm hearing you say is is there is a lot of benefit to having a long-term rental just in terms of stability and lower risk and not having to provide that constant maintenance
3: 100 percent. yeah so it's uh, i mean you're you're you, yeah you need to i mean we do we tell our owners for short-term rentals is like you have to know you're replacing linens on an annual basis you know maybe sometimes more mm-hmm. i mean you that to think you're running them through a wash cycle every guest that leaves the cleaners will go in throw everything into the into the laundry that's a lot of wear and tear on your linens and also you know you, you go back six to eight months later and you look at it, it's like everything's yellowed or discolored and it's not that it's not the guests doing it it's just the fact that it's just being worn. you think of like you know how much you use your sheets or your linens on a and you probably amplify that because you got people going in pools you got people going down to the beach to the lake they're using all this stuff yeah it's it i mean it, it, it is it's just you kind of have to know what you're getting yourself into you have to know what your investment level is like with that you know, you're putting more money into it, but you're you will have a better cash return for those short-term rentals. Whereas long-term, yeah, we always say a long-term is far more stable. We can find better quality tenants. We know who we're putting in there. You know, like our our rate of tenant non-payment tenants is something like. Two two and a half percent that we don't pay, we may have to proceed with like an eviction. That's pretty pretty low. I mean, we we manage now three hundred properties, and we really only have to deal with you know you're I can count on one hand how many people we really have problems with uh, on an annual basis. Whereas you know our short terms, you know people have parties, people come up to Cologne to yeah. the party.
1: The bachelorette party, I I see that yes, the building that I own, and there's always the bachelorette.
3: and And, And all the noise complaints, like it's, you know what, you don't typically get a noise complaint until about, you know, it goes to strata, goes through the bureaucratic process, and then all of a sudden you get a fine for $200 from a noise complaint from three weeks ago. Those people are long gone. Like Airbnb yeah. Airbnb's already given them their deposit back. so owners are like well you have to go after them it's like well we can't like we literally went through a platform they hold the deposit but there was no issue no seemingly no issues I mean you know, aside from cleaning which is paid for anyways and then all of a sudden you get a fine almost a, maybe a month later it's like we can't go back at them we have no record of them we, we don't even have payment it, goes, it always goes through a third-party vendor so whereas long term I mean we're allowed to collect deposits you know half a first month's rent for a security deposit if you allow a pet an additional half month rent that's the limit in BC, but you do have access to that. So it's, and again, we're qual. you know, we're definitely qualifying people. We get a lot of flack from some tenants that uh, you know, or that our qualification process is a little tough.
2: I'm curious about that qualification process. This is part of how you find good tenants. Where do you look for yes. them? And oh, then what, sure. what's the process yeah. they go through?
3: Uh, we advertise on upwards of 20 platforms across Canada. I mean, that includes everything from, I mean, anybody listening outside of the Okanagan is probably not, not, not going to know what Castanet is, but it's our local sort of classifieds that predominantly has uh, a lot of housing on it. Facebook is huge right now. Facebook groups. Facebook does not like when companies put listings on marketplace or We've had some fun and you know, challenging issues with that, so we dev- we stick to groups. Um, there's a lot of you know residential property groups that you can post your ads in. Classics, you know, Craigslist. GG, Then there's rental specific platforms like rentals.ca, rent faster. There's several across Canada. Um, the software that, and this is kind of why, you know, uh, be a part of a franchise is great. Our, our software is second to none and it syndicates to all these things automatically. Like we pay for the software, we pay to have these properties in our system. And then once they're available for rent, we basically click a button and it's syndicated out to them on, you know, usually takes that's a day cool. or so to get everything out. So,
1: and so um, your, your owner clients then, so that's, just a cost of your business so they're not having to pay extra out of pocket for that exposure that's
3: included we do i mean we we obviously charge for things where we might be considered maybe a little more expensive than some other property management companies, but it is because of what we can provide and what we pay for, what we provide to our clients.
2: So, what does the what does the intake process look like then? I'm assuming it goes through your software as well.
3: Everybody who is interested or applies for a property applies online. We will not take you know written applications or anything of that matter. It, you'd be amazed at what people put together. We ask for income verification, and we've received things. Is as, as much as a handwritten note saying, I make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Like,
2: <laughs> we are very familiar with this it's, process.
3: <laughs> oh, it's, it's, I it's,
1: sold a litter of
2: puppies. Yeah, this is my down. Yeah, no joke.
3: Yeah. So, so, what you're saying is, you're going to bring a litter of puppies into this property, right? So, that's, <laughs> that's, what yeah. I, that's all I'm hearing. Yeah. So yeah. So we do require them to apply online. Anybody over the age of eighteen has to apply through our online application process. It automatically does a soft credit check for this. so it gives us sort of like a green light, warning, red light. That's sort of a pre-qualification. Uh, we also make make sure they meet the needs of the property. You know, if the property says no pets, and they have three dogs. So we like. Okay. Well, we can't proceed with the application. We do have a process where you know we like to see our Tenants making two and a half to three times the rental value. If they say, you know, we have a house available for $4,000 a month and they're telling us that they make $5,000 a month, that's not going to go well. So, well, we might have to get back to them and say, okay, hey, are you including all of your income? Do you have a secondary applicant that's going to be coming Because a lot of times that happens. It's like, oh, no, yeah, I, I thought that. I should be, my application should be joined with this person. Okay, great. Now you guys qualify. We do do, go go through all of that. So once we find, you know, interested people who qualified, make sure they do like the property, whether it's, you know, we'll do a 3D tour of our house. They can take a look at it and they'll definitely typically want to do an in-person showing. So, you know, once they're qualified, we'll take them through the property. And again, you kind of make sure that uh, it's going to work for them. And then at that point, we get to meet them a little bit as well and make sure they're going to work for us. This is, we are putting people in, you know, you're talking about at this point, minimum six digits of, for any investment property, right? Like, so, you know, unless you're not in BC and you're talking about, seven for a lot of the houses that we deal with uh, so it's a good value that we're putting you know, we want to make sure that our we actually don't consider ourselves property managers we're almost more investment managers where we're helping take a, take care of the asset or like an asset manager I guess because we do you know putting a tenant in place yes they are paying helping pay that mortgage but it is their residence we want to make sure they're going to take care of the property they know the responsibilities that they have when it comes to maintenance you know what to report what to look for make sure that uh, no damage is done so,
0: so Aaron you talk about the value that you provide as a property manager, I just I've got a two part question. And the first part is, when someone who owns a property, when they come to you, and they say, I want to rent this property out, how many applicants do you typically get here in the Okanagan for one property? So how many people are connecting with you to say, hey, I want to rent this place?
3: It varies, just like anything, like like the sales market. Uh, if you're if you're talking about a you know million plus dollar property, you definitely have less market there. So there's there's uh, you know less people looking for a five thousand dollar a month house than there is for a condo that's you know less than two thousand dollars a month.
0: Yeah. So let's say it's a an average type. Con- it's either a condo, maybe a two to three bedroom or a townhome, something that's kind of in that affordability range. Like how many people do you See coming through the system?
3: Well, our system, I mean, it's a tough question to answer because, I mean, as far as inquiries go, I mean, we can literally see hundreds. If we post, uh, like, maybe an entry level condo at a, at a good price point, we literally could see hundreds of applications and maybe not applications, but requests, uh, whether it's through Facebook chat, whether it's through, you know, just the online platform. Hey, is this still available? All that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it, it can get especially time of year, you know, we are seasonal up here. So <laughs> right now, right now we're at the busy time of the year. So, I mean, if I posted a studio condo or one bedroom condo at a pretty decent price point online right now, we would have probably dozens of good applicants to choose from.
0: So this takes me really to my second part, the second part of my question, because I, from what I understand and from what what you're saying, the the bulk of what you do, like, and, and I can't even imagine having hundreds of applicants come through because that to me is like a massive amount of time. So I'm trying to think of that, that person who's buying an investment property, what, what kind of a time investment does it take to get someone into their unit? And what you're saying is the value that you're adding is really that you've got a system that tailors it right down. You guys handle all of that. And it takes a huge time burden off that owner. So then my second part of my question is, what does that typically look like in terms of a cost to that property owner? How how much are they paying to get that huge amount of value? Because sure. to me, time I think is probably most, people's most important asset, right? We have such limited time in our day. So what does it cost?
3: Cost When we place a tenant, we do charge half the first month's rent uh, for a a standard placement cost. That includes everything. We're paying for the advertising. We're dealing with all the applicants, all the inquiries. We're conducting all the showings. We're negotiating with the tenant and and ensuring that the, and doing all the background checks, uh, reference checks, employment checks, credit checks, and then, yeah, making sure that uh, they are who they say they are and uh, make sure they're right for the property. Once we have an approved applicant, we will produce the lease. If you're a landlord, you're familiar with what a lease can look like. The residential tenancy branch provides like a pretty, just a standard lease. Landlord BC, their website does as well, which is a little more inclusive. Our lease is extremely inclusive. Um, There's a lot of clauses that you can put into a lease and that you should put into a lease that you don't know about. Most people do not know about. (laughs) And a lot of things that if you don't have it written into a lease, you cannot enforce it. Little things like, you know, uh, late fees. And late fees in BC, you're, you're maxed out at $25 a month if somebody pays rent late. But you can't even charge that unless you include it in your lease. And it's not included in a standard lease. It's not included on the residential tenancy branch lease. Uh, liquidated damages. Tenants move out. Tenants move out. Tenant Legally, a tenant can give notice at any time. Even during the term of their lease, as a landlord, you are then responsible for advertising and, find, and trying to replace them. Now the tenant is, you know, they're responsible for any losses. So if you can't find somebody and they move out and you're advertising and you can show that you've been advertising, they are responsible for rent until a new tenant is found for the term of their lease, but you can also charge them liquidated damages. And basically the liquidated damages is is the cost of, associated to the landlord for having to remarket their property. So we will charge the tenants half a month's rent liquidated damages because that's what we charge. We charge half a month's rent to our owners or landlords to uh, place a tenant um, and it, they shouldn't be burdened with that if uh you know we signed a one year lease and 3 months in the guy says I got a great job opportunity in Ontario but I've got to move out. Well, no, you're breaking your lease. So but if you don't include that in your lease, you you cannot charge it. Most landlords, most owners so, don't know that. They don't understand that.
0: Right. So, so some of the value you provide is actually giving a, a much more in-depth lease agreement, which is, I think that's phenomenal. You talked about uh, the placement fee and, and how you charge for that. Mm-hmm. What about on a monthly basis? Like when you're renting out a place or or being the manager, I assume that uh, once they're placed, then a lot of that cost then becomes kind of a maintenance Ensuring that rents are collected and those kind of things. So what does that look like in terms of a cost?
3: We we typically charge just roughly about ten percent of the monthly rent greater value we get for the property obviously the, the more money we could collect so it's sort of a you know benefit to the owner as well as us to get the highest value rent and find the best tenants yeah and that takes care of basically rent collection all communication with the tenant goes through us we coordinate all maintenance you know when the maintenance request comes in whether it's us doing it our, ourselves or you know We can do minor little things. uh, I mean, we're not licensed or insured to do electrical work, plumbing, stuff like that. So, we do have a list of vendors that uh, are priority vendors to us. Uh, We're a priority client to them. So, you know, if a plumbing issue comes in, we actually literally had one yesterday and had to get plumbers out there in an emergency. They dropped everything they could and went out to one of our properties because we send them a lot of work. You know, if you're a normal landlord, it might take you a few days to get that that plumber out there because, you know, he may not be sure he's going to get paid on time or uh, you know he's got a big job ahead of you he doesn't get a lot of money from you he doesn't really even know you yeah we'll also provide monthly income statements expense reports uh, we'll do an annual uh, expense report as well for it's great for tax purposes i mean you can imagine if you're a landlord and by doing everything yourself and you got to hang on to all the little receipts that uh, you know for all the maintenance you did all the receipts for rent collection and then you got to hand all that stuff over to your accountant to, you know, process your taxes and find out if uh, you've got to pay more because you know you made good income on your income property. For us, we put everything onto basically it's a one PDF, all the expenses that are run through us and uh, all the income that comes through us. Not only that, uh, property management fees are tax deductible expense. So you know, for those people that have rental properties, you know, CRA is going to, it's considered, it's considered income, but, you know, you got to put expenses against it. Otherwise you're just going to be paying taxes uh, to CRA. So we can help with that on a monthly basis. We'll do all that <laughs> it's fun stuff. Lot. That's a lot. That's yeah. a
1: lot of stuff. I feel like Property management is a 24 seven. I I've done it. I've been a property manager and to pay 10% of your gross monthly rents to hand off that job to somebody like yourself, definitely worth Mm -hmm. it.
3: (laughs) That seems like good value. We have, I mean, it's, you know, it, it, when you run it out and say it, 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 there's definitely a lot of work, but a lot of, a lot of (laughs) times because of the process that we put and, and the emphasis we put on placing our tenants, we have really good tenants, and they understand. They they treat it like it's their own house. So there's not a lot, uh, there's not a lot of complications. There's not a lot of uh, issues. The vast majority of our properties, we just collect rent on a monthly basis because we've done the work and put some great tenants in there.
2: Yeah, and the, and kudos to you for for putting in that work. It sounds also like a lot of really solid communication skills are necessary.
3: Oh, absolutely. So I mean, we we operate more of a uh, not a, a single. Property manager at you know managing all of these properties. We have a maintenance department. We have administrative team. We have an accounting department. We have a business development manager. You know, helping new clients come in. So we we operate as a as a team. So which is why we can manage three hundred properties. Seven eight of us working together. You know, to handle all the communication. And everybody sort of has their role. And so it makes things a little less taxing.
2: It feels like. A really nice spot to wind down our conversation, talking about teams. Um, That's a theme that we have on this podcast. The three of us work as a a broker team. We have an assistant as well. And I just find when you have more brains working on, you know, one end goal, Mm. you're going to get there a lot more quickly, a lot more effectively. Mm along the way?
3: Oh, absolutely. Oh, and yeah. We, we definitely consider ourselves a team. Uh, we, work, we work closely together with all our employees and you know, problem-solve together. You know, everybody has a unique set of skills and a different perspective. So it's good to have multiple people working at, at, the, at the same end goal. So.
1: Even more broadly speaking, you can look at team as yourself, the manager, the owner of the property and the tenant. I mean, that would be if everybody's working to the same end goal mm-hmm. That's the ideal scenario for a property owner talk about gold standard investment management, right?
3: Absolutely. Yeah, without question. And it's always good to have, you know, somebody an intermediate in between what we find is uh, what most landlords appreciate is they just don't have to maybe bend a little bit to tenants, It'll accommodate them, they get taken advantage of, it kind of happens both, both ways. That's what you know, we help navigate as well. And we can kind of be that intermediary. You you all almost are uh, you know, problem solver in between tenants and landlords as well. So
2: people dealing with people, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. So having that one step removed one for a tenant, they get they kind of Feel like they don't have to deal with an owner who doesn't really know anything, perhaps. And from a landlord, same thing. They they don't know the legalities. They don't know what they can, and can or shouldn't be doing. Yeah. They, so that having us sort of step in between and help out, a lot of people just even appreciate that. Uh, that there's a, a, a communication in between. So
0: and and ha- and how this relates to that person that's looking to buy an investment property, I feel like the value that you add is not only that you've given them uh, a little bit more. Simplicity. But you've made things a lot more solid. You've taken out some of that uncertainty, and you've given them peace of mind that helps them to kind of see this forward.
1: Well, thank you, Aaron. Thank you for taking the time today. And uh, sounds like you're a busy man. You probably got uh, 20, 20 emails and applications to go through. So <laughs>
3: oh, I could probably look. Yeah, there's there's always there's always a few. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was good to see Thanks you. Thanks so Aaron. much for your time, Aaron. Thank you for your time yeah. today.
3: Not a problem. oh uh, happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
1: This is the mortgage life
0: we look forward to continuing the conversation
1: so come back and listen